praise the Lord. Well, we're going to start a new series today, um, and I'm just calling it Christmas Stories. I'm going to tell you a few Christmas stories. Is that okay? Because it is Christmas. If you didn't notice, the place is all decorated, and we actually sang a Christmas carol, Christmas song, if you will, and we'll be doing that every week, right? Rejoicing and celebrating the season that it is. We're going to look at some of the Christmas stories we grew up hearing as kids, some of the songs that we sing, but we're going to take them straight out of the Word of God. Is that okay with you? I prefer to get my information from the Word of God than a song that was written a million years ago or so. Are we going to turn the house lights on? One minute. Okay. I don't know what we're doing. I can't see you, and you can't see your notes, right? That's all right. I'll fill them in for you later. Just bring them all to me. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles, turn to Isaiah chapter 60. There you are. You guys, I thought everybody left when I released the students. We we are all students, right, of the Word of God? Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Turn to Isaiah chapter 60. We're going to read a couple portions of Scripture this morning uh, to get us started. Did I say six? I meant 60. Isaiah chapter 60, okay, verses 1 through 6. The Bible says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light, and the king to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Then you shall see and become radiant, and your heart shall swell with joy, because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. The multitude of camels shall cover your land, the dromedaries of Midian and Ephah. All those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and incense, and they shall proclaim the praises of the Lord. Israel knew something about the coming Messiah because of the book of Isaiah. It was written approximately 700 years before Jesus was born. They were students of the word of God. They anticipated the coming of the Messiah. For them, it wasn't just a story or a fable. It wasn't just a song that we sing while drinking cocoa and eating cookies. It was a truth that they held on to dearly in their heart and in their lives. It was an anticipation that they had of a coming king. And so today I want to be looking at the story of the wise men. That's the story I want to touch on this morning. So we're going to be in the book of Matthew. And in your notes, I made an error. It says Matthew chapter 12. It's actually Matthew chapter 2. I'm going to read to you verses 1 through 12. But before we go any further, I'd like to pray. Lord, anoint me this morning just to share my heart. No, no, I repent. Lord, anoint me this morning to share your heart. Let me speak your words. Let me speak what the Holy Spirit would turn in my spirit today in my heart to say. Let our ears be open and our hearts be open to the word of God because it will accomplish what you set it forth to accomplish. It can break through those areas of our heart that we've hardened and we've closed off to you. So 
bless us this morning through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 12, verses 1 through 12. Or chapter 2, see, I did it again, didn't I? <laughs> chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. I'm so used to preaching from the floor, I feel too tall today. I've been preaching from the floor for a couple of years, you know. It's like I'm trying to get used to this. I'm trying to figure out which way I'm going to march when I really get to preaching. You know, they, they call me the march. I'm going that way, just so you all know. And that way. Yeah, I got my eye on you guys. That's why I'm like this. All right, let's read. Let's read. I don't have a lot of time this morning. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests, the scribes, and the, of the people together, he inquired of them, inquired of them, where is the Christ, where the Christ was to be born? Excuse me this morning. So they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are not the least among the rulers of Judea, of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me, that I may come and worship him also. Yeah, right. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. When they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, fell down and worshipped him. When they had opened their treasures, they presented him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. You know, the story of the wise men, it's kind of a, a mysterious story because traditional Christmas stories and traditional Christmas songs they, they, they make us think that we understand and know all the details about what's going on in the story. But as we read through the Bible, we really find out that we really don't know too much about these particular wise men. For example, how many were there? That's what tradition says, but you won't find that in the Word of God. We don't know. We, we, we speculate there were three because of the number of gifts that are, that are talked about, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But there could have been a lot more. There could have been 30. There could have been 300. We don't know for sure. Where did they come from? We don't know that either. We know they came from the east. So did we. Now, from Sahara. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on up. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> from the east side. <laughs> I know it doesn't go that way, but we have to, we have to, we have to improvise here, right? How long did their journey take? We don't know that either. They just seem to have appeared there. You know, they weren't even in the manger. Some scholars think it could have taken up to two years for them to actually find the Messiah. We don't know. These are all things that we speculated because of cute Christmas stories, and we'll present one to you on the 18th, and, and it doesn't mean it's inaccurate. We just don't know. It'd be hard to have a Christmas play with 300 wise men up here anyway, wouldn't it? First of all, it'd be hard to find 300 wise men. Can I get a witness, ladies? Yeah, I figured I'd have the ladies with that one, right? Uh-huh, yeah, yeah, got your number, uh-huh. 
But in the Word of God, they just seem to show up mysteriously, and just as mysteriously, they're gone. But I really believe that we can learn some things from the story that will apply to us today to teach us some lessons about seeking the Lord in our life. And the first thing that I, that I see is, is basically they were, just, they were paying attention. Listen, during the busyness of Christmas, it's really easy to get distracted. It's really easy to take our focus and our eyes off of God. And that's kind of what's going on in this story. The wise men, they're paying attention. If you look at verses 1 and 2 again in Matthew chapter 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he? who has been born king of the Jews. For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. What separated them right off the bat is they saw the star. They were paying attention. They they were looking for the coming king. Verse 3 goes on to tell us that Herod and all of Jerusalem were troubled about this when they heard about it. They were a little discouraged. It tells me that they didn't even see the star. Makes me think about how we are sometimes how people are in general. Some are searching in anticipation and waiting and and seeking out the king of kings. Others are worried about the next gift they need to buy for Christmas during the season. Don't let those things trouble you. You know what's most important is you. you. You're the best gift you can give your family, your time, your love, your attention. We have to keep our eyes open and be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit no matter what's going on around us. It kind of teaches me that, that people were too busy even then to pay attention. Herod has this thing going on, and, and they were caught up in their own jobs, Christmas shopping. You fill in the blank. Some didn't even see the star. It made me think about how the disciples missed what was happening in the garden, all because they couldn't stay attentive. Remember this in Matthew chapter 26, verse 40, it says, Then he came to his disciples, and he found them asleep, and said to Peter, What, could you not watch with me one hour? I wonder if Jesus had a conversation with me today, if he would ask me that question sometimes. Actually, if I can be honest with you, he probably would ask me that question sometimes. How often do we miss out on what God's trying to do because we're not paying attention to the things that are going on around us? Listen, there's no such thing as coincidence. Nothing happens by accident. Nothing happens by mistake. Everything is ordained of God. Well, that was a coincidence. Yeah. I wish I could multitask like the Lord. We need to be sensitive to what's going on around us. I believe that God has a plan for this generation. I believe it. I believe it. That's why I love this text. That's why I read this verse to you frequently. As a matter of fact, I'm really thinking about planting this verse as big as I can right there on that wall because it really is my life's theme verse, and I really believe it's the heartbeat of this church. It says, Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. Listen, I believe that, 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 that text, that verse, I believe that verse is prophetic today. 
I believe that, that, that text is for, for us today, for, for the generation that we're raising up today. God has great plans for them. And we're included in that, amen? I don't know if you notice around here, but we love young people. We want to include young people. Matter of fact, we want the young people to take over. Hallelujah. Because us old people can't do it much longer. I only had one person say, that's right. Everybody was like, wait a minute, you tried to trick me. <laughs> I believe that God is still at work and he's still leading people to his son. Amen? Here's the second thing. They had faith. What would make these guys leave the comfort of their home? I'll tell you what it was. Faith. Faith of the coming Messiah. They had to find him. They, they knew the prophecies and they just had to follow the star. They had to. It was stirring in them, and, and there's things that the people of God, they're being stirred, and there's just things that we have to do. We have to focus on souls. We have to focus on the lost. We have to focus on those who don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's our call. These guys were willing to risk everything to go and find him. They left the safety of their homes. They were willing to step out in faith and worship him. Can you imagine what their friends and family were saying? Are you going on a journey? Well, yes, we are. Where are you going? We don't know. <laughs> How far is it? Well, we don't know that either. How long are you going to be gone? No, no. You know, I imagine they said the same things to Abraham when, when Abraham, when God told Abraham, hey, get out of here, get out of this country and go to a place that I'll show you. They probably said the same things to Noah when he was building a lark, an ark. An ark? Hey, narks are welcome here too. Praise the Lord. He was building an ark, and it had never rained on planet Earth before. They probably said the same things to Peter, Andrew, and John, and James when they hung up their fishing careers and followed after Jesus. Where are you guys going? Following that guy. Why? I don't know. How long have you been gone? I don't know. Are you ever coming back? I don't know. I don't know. Listen, following Jesus always requires leaving something behind. Did you hear that? Following Jesus always requires leaving something behind. It means stepping out in faith. Hebrews 6, 11, 6 says, without faith it's impossible to please God. Without having faith, without stepping out blindly. That's what faith is. You step out into the unknown. And you follow the Messiah. I bet there are a lot of nights during their journey, if it took two years or if it took two days, that they questioned God. Don't we do that sometimes? Listen, but they kept going. They never turned back. They stayed focused. Every day, they just went a little bit further. Listen, all God's asking of you every day, get up and do it again. Every day, get up and do it again. You're not promised tomorrow, but if you're given tomorrow, get up and do it again. I don't care where it takes me, they're saying, I'm all in. I don't know how long it's going to take, how far I have to go, how much it's going to cost me, but I'm all in, and I'm not turning back. Whatever it takes. Somebody was listening last month. 
just to meet him face to face and worship him. It was enough for them. It was enough for them. We're spoiled. What do I get out of it, Pastor? Are we going to have a potluck? <laughs> Maybe. We are Friday night. I hope you all can come. I'm not sure where I'm going to put you all, but will you come on over anyway. Here's the third thing. They worshiped him. They worshiped him. Verse 11 of Matthew chapter 2. And when they had come into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. Thank you very much. I'm going to start bringing my own sweatacostal rag. I know. I'm going to have to bring my own sweater. I'm not even marching. I'm not even really preaching yet. When they come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. When they had opened the treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When they finally reached him, however long, I don't know. How long did it take you to reach him? How long were you out there doing your own thing, doing it your own way? But when these wise men finally reached him, the Bible doesn't, doesn't say they could do anything but fall down and worship him. doesn't give us any indication of them doing anything other than falling down and worshiping him. And, and when we come to church, man, that should be our heart. We should have nothing on our mind but falling down and worshiping our creator, our savior. Amen? Amen. And many of us, we come to the house of God for other reasons, and, and I don't know what those reasons are, but, but whatever those reasons are, we need to put those as secondary. I love coming to church to see all my church family. I do. I love it. But you're not number one. I'm sorry. But you're the pastor. I know. Be glad Jesus is number one for me. Amen? And he needs to be number one for you too. I bet in that moment, they could have just congratulated. Hey, high five. We found the Savior. Boom. Let's go home now. We're done here. Or they could have wrote a book and got a book deal out of it, I'm sure. Made millions. Praise the Lord. And brought it to Grapevine. Thank you, Jesus. But in that moment, in the presence of God, all they could do was worship him. All they could do was fall on their face before him and pay respect to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I want to be in a church that does that. I want to be in a church that our number one priority is to worship Jesus. Because when you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all those other things that we're trying to do, all the, all the other outreaches, all the other stuff that we want to do, raising up young people, raising up leaders, all these things, that, doing outreaches and, and loving on people, all that stuff happens when you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All they could do in that moment was worship him. They realized it wasn't anything they, they accomplished. It was only the grace of God that brought them there. We need to understand that, church. It's just the grace of God that's brought us here. Oh, no, I was invited by a friend. I know. Thank your friend for the grace of God on their life. We need to recognize that in every twist and turn in life, that we should praise him right where we're at, as difficult as that can be sometimes. We celebrated Emma's life yesterday, and that was difficult. But we're praising God anyway. Praising Him through it. I've done nothing to deserve it. 
just the grace of God. His presence is all that matters. His presence is all that matters. See, that's what they were seeking. That's really all that mattered to them. Just to find him and to worship him. This is the very first thing they did when they laid eyes on him. The gifts they brought, they have a lot of symbolism associated to it. I'm not going to spend time breaking down each one of those, but, but quickly, the gold, it represents wealth. It's, it's a gift fit for a king. Jesus Christ is the king of kings. Frankincense, it, it's used in worship. It's that sweet-smelling aroma that's referred to in the Old Testament. It identified Jesus' kingship, you know. Jesus is the Son of God. The Son of God was before them. Myrrh, bobbing fluid. It was used to anoint the dead. Jesus was the sacrificial Lamb of God, sent to the world to take away our sins, yours and mine, and yours and mine, and yours and mine. You notice he took mine three times because I'm extra... I'm his favorite. <laughs> right. But listen, there's more to worship than gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It always involves sacrifice. Always involves sacrifice. Acknowledging Jesus as Lord always leads to action. The Bible says that they gave of themselves, that they gave of what their homelands had to offer. They probably brought the best gift forward that they could. They came from unique places with unique gifts, and they laid them at the foot of the king. That's the call to every Christian in this room. We all come from unique places, and we all have unique gifts, and we're all to use them for the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, seek it first. Seek it first, and everything else, your business will take off. Your your families will flourish. Your, Your bank account will grow. I don't know how, but it does. I know we don't have internet. I don't think, I have to ask Dean, do we have wireless? No, not yet. So a couple people are like, I want to give, but I can't find the internet. I said, just, I don't know, give it to me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> they want to do it online. I don't care, do it somehow. And I'm so grateful for that. Pe- people have the right heart. They want to give. They want to they give back to the house of God. They want to give to the Lord. They know that, that when, we, when, we, when we sow into the kingdom, he pays back dividends, Amen. That's not why we do it, but I'll tell you what, it is icing on the cake, baby. I've never been begging for bread. Isn't that obvious? Praise God. And I don't even eat at the food bank, do I, Pastor Tiny? Rarely. Oh, I get apples. I get apples. Miss Cheryl makes sure I have an apple every day. So, <laughs> David said that he wouldn't offer a sacrifice that didn't cost him anything. If you look at 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 24, then the king said to Aruna, No, but I will surely buy it from you for a price. Nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God with that which cost me nothing. So David bought the, th- the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. David knew something. He knew that true worship should cost him something. 
see, if, you're, if your walk with the Lord isn't costing you anything, I would question your walk with the Lord. I would question your commitment, your dedication. Not my place to question your salvation, but you might ask yourself, is he Lord of my life? Is he the ruler of my heart? Is everything I own, does it belong to him? Paul tells us in chapter 12 of the book of Romans in verse 1 that our, our worship, our reasonable worship, is to present ourselves a living sacrifice to him, holy and acceptable to God. So that which is reasonable is everything. God doesn't just want some things. He wants all of it. Here's the last thing. It changed them forever. Can I tell you that an encounter with Jesus Christ will change you forever? It will rock your world. It will mess you up. For those of you in recovery, you know it will ruin your drinking. It will ruin your using. It will ruin your womanizing and manizing. Amen. Verse 12 in the book of Matthew chapter 2 said, Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed their own country another way. I find it interesting that after they worshiped Jesus, that they couldn't even go home the same way they came. That's true today. Listen, when you meet the Lord, you will never be the same again. You can't go home the same way you were. When Jesus is Lord of your life, everything changes. Your destiny, your eternal destiny changes, and your life as it exists today changes. All of a sudden, you don't belong to you anymore, which is a really good thing, amen? You belong to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's pretty close. An encounter with Jesus, it changes you. It's always been that way, and it's always going to be that way. Anytime you come into the presence of the Lord, something changes in you. I don't care how long you've been doing this, Christian. 40, 50, 60, 70 years, when you come into the presence of God, something will change in you. Jacob wrestled with God, and he never walked the same again. Job questioned God over and over and over again about the trials that he was facing. And when God showed up, basically, let me rawnize this. He says, I'm speechless. I, I'm in awe of you. Words fail me. I have questioned you, God, for too long. And when God, when Job met God, he became a changed man. When he came face to face with God, nothing else mattered. I don't know what you're walking through today but I'll tell you how to face it. Put your face up to Jesus's. Every time we come into the presence of the Lord, you can stay up here, I'm done. We ought to go home another way. To be changed and to be, and to be transformed. A little different than 
having some people come and do a play about three wise men. The stories that we have in the Word of God, they're for us. God didn't just put that in the Bible so that we'd read these things during Christmas because we need some material during Christmas. They're there to transform our lives. How did it change the wise men? Because they were paying attention, because they stepped out in faith, because they worshiped him, and they were changed and transformed. I guess my question in closing today is, would you be like one of these wise men today? Would you allow Jesus to transform your life? If you've never said yes to him, if you've never gave your life to him, if you've never committed yourself to him and say, you know, Jesus, I'll give you a try. Today is a great day to do that. There are so many people sitting in this room that are right where you were one day. And we could tell testimony after testimony after testimony of how the Lord changed our life. not gone back the other way. Matter of fact, I lost my way back. Wiped it out of my GPS coordinates. And that's what he'll do for you. With every head bowed in this place today. Are you here this morning? Have you ever given your life to Jesus Christ? If not, I want to lead you there. Because it's the greatest gift that I could give you today, this Christmas season gift of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So if you're in this room and you'd say, you know, Pastor, I want to give my life to him, maybe for the first time, or I just really feel that I need to dedicate again. I need to return to the Lord. I've I've slipped away. I've done it my own way, and today I need to come back to right standing with him. Would you just raise your hand? Let me see it. I see one hand. I see another. Wow. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you for being sensitive to what the Lord wants to do in your life today. Now, we're going to pray this prayer. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, then you're saved. Basically, I want to take you through a process in prayer that confesses confesses Jesus is Lord of your life. Amen? So everybody pray this with me, would you? Say, Jesus, please forgive me. Be Lord of my life. Thank you for your sacrifice. And though I don't deserve it, I accept it. Lead me in this life. Help me to live for you. And be changed and transformed today. In your name I pray. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory. Thank you, Jesus.